Thanks, Leonard. Um, it feels like we, yeah, that time of worship, it feels like how can we keep on, in a sense, going into more and more and more, and it feels like my tears are like right there. <laughs> so I'm definitely going to cry somewhere through this message. Um, just because we're dealing with such holy things. Like we're speaking about communion and we're worshiping the Lord and it's God's people coming together and it's just something that there's people in this world that will never experience what we are having, in a sense, this evening. People coming together, one heart, one mind, one purpose, in a sense, uniting underneath Christ and loving Him and enjoying Him. And it's, oh, it's, just, it's just amazing. Anyway, my name is Henry, as Leonard shared. Um, my mom is sitting there at the back. Hello, Mama. Dear uh, <laughs> Mama. And then <laughs> my wife is somewhere around here with our little baby that's almost five months old. Uh, we were at the eldest meeting, as, as Leonard shared, and our child is not like other children. That child is busy. <laughs> um, praise Jesus that he extends grace. So um, let me just get started here, otherwise I'm going to ramble all over the show. So this evening I want to speak to two different groups actually, firstly starting with a little bit of all of us. And I'm not sure where all of you guys are in your spiritual journey when it comes to walking with Jesus, Christianity. Some of you sitting here might be atheists, agnostics, uh, maybe come from another religion or a background or a church denomination and you're looking into this crazy people like, what are they smoking? This is quite something that I've been seeing and they are always smiling and I don't know that guy. It's just so much. But on the other hand, Every single one of us are actually on this journey of far or near the Lord. Some of us are way back there. Others of us are close to it. But all of us actually can say, Henry, I don't know if I'm there yet. I don't know. There might be still a little bit. But I want us, every single one, to be fully persuaded of this thing. Hence the title. Fully persuaded, fully convinced of this one thing this evening. That Jesus Christ desires a living relationship with each and every one of us. Not just like this, personally. I just want to put that out of there. So as we are hearing this message and going into this, I want you to hear this, that Jesus Christ desires you. Amen? But for those that call this home, Josh Jen, those who are visiting that might be Christians already, I'm trusting that this evening would be, it's going to be a different type of message, believe me. I've never preached something like this, and that's why I'm quite nervous. But I'm trusting that each and every one will be fully persuaded of three different things tonight. We will be fully persuaded of God's Word, the Scriptures. We'll be fully persuaded not only of God's Word, but the message that it contains. Romans 1.16 speak about Paul, in a sense, proclaiming this thing that I'm not ashamed of the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. And ultimately, I trust that as we accept the message of the good news of what Jesus has done for us, that the power of God would not only work in us, but through us. Amen? Thank you, all the four Christians that's here. And I'm really trusting for us that we will enter as Stally's PM, 6 p.m. specifically, into a year of fresh stories. 
Once again, trusting the Lord for the miraculous, trusting that many people will come to salvation in your own life for breakthrough, trusting that those people that you've struggled for years to forgive, that you'll find breakthrough in that. And as you see that He has forgiven you, that you can start to forgive. But I believe all of this is rooted that you are fully persuaded that God is who He says He is, that He is doing a work within you. And as He's doing that work, we can start to hear these stories working in us. Amen. So where I want to start this evening is actually with His Word, the Scriptures, the Bible. This is the Word of God, the inspired, God-breathed Word of God. But as we look at society and look at the opinions of man to this Word, we see that, it's not, that the opinions of the world is this is merely a novel. This is a storybook on the side that everybody needs to have. It has good morality and good ethics. It teaches you a great way or a good way of living, but it's not the Word of God. How can it be the Word of God? Can't God just speak directly to us or do it in another way? But God decided, actually, that He wants to preserve His Word through written form and preserve it for us and give it to us. So what I don't want to merely do is Defend the Bible, because I think God has been doing that great for the past 3,500 years, okay? I don't need to do a, a job to defend the Bible this evening. But what I would love to do is actually present to you what the Bible is. Because some of us have a, a warped view of Scripture, and we don't see it as the holy inspired Word of God. And sometimes the way we view it is we put it down there, and we stand over the Bible, and we judge it. I know what this thing says. I know what's going on here. And almost like we're saying to God, I am over you and I'm telling you what you are saying. Rather, our attitude should be more humble and lowly and say, God, I'm coming underneath this thing. Not that this is God, but it does point towards God. And come underneath it and say, God, what do you have to say through this? So, what is this book? I trust this book and I believe what this book is the following. It is a reliable collection of historical documents. It was written by eyewitnesses. I don't know why I want to cry now. In the time of other eyewitnesses. This book contains events that is supernatural. Supernatural events. But not just merely supernatural events, but it points to specific prophecy. Not only that, this book claims to be divine rather than human in origin. So let's go into all of those four lines. And I didn't come up with that, by the way, some smart guy did. But I just found it to be so helpful. Firstly, it is a reliable collection of historical documents. This is not merely one book. It is actually a collection, a library of 66 different books written over the course of 1,500 years in three different languages, in three continents, and here's where the collection part comes in, by 40 different people. Why that is so significant is because it's not the opinion of one man, but it's multiple people coming from multiple walks of life. It's not a couple of monks that got together and say, let's form a religion, and sit together and put a couple of laws down and think up a couple of good stories, because they needed to be brilliant to do that. It's not that, but it's people from very vast walks of life. I wrote some of them down, 
They are kings, tax collectors, fishermen, doctors, historians, prophets, all over the show. And what they are writing is actually, they are just witnessing of what's happening in their life. What's happening with their tribe? What's happening um, in their city? What's happening uh, in their nation? What's happening in front of their eyes? They're witnessing and writing it down. It's almost like journaling certain things down, and they're merely just speaking to us and saying, that's what I saw, and I'm writing these things down. And what makes this so significant is that 25,000 archaeological digs has been dug up regarding the Bible that confirms everything that's going about in here that it is true. 25,000. Why that is significant is because the other day, last week, um, I love YouTube. Who loves YouTube here? I, I love YouTube. Um, because you can get lost in that thing. Um, and I'm very a curious type person. And as I was scrolling, there came this video about a guy that lived in Rome, and they spoke about this guy, a whole documentary, that he would be led to be killed by the emperor of that time. And they wrote about his feelings. They wrote about his, or they, they spoke about his journey all the way. And he's going to be eaten by lions. And in much detail, they speak about the Colosseum and things going on there. And a whole documentary on this guy. And they said, we know this is true because we have seven letters of him. And that stood out for me because we have 25,000 of the Bible. But they were convinced that it is true from that seven letters. We have 25,000 documents showing that this is the word of God. It is not the opinion of one man, but a collection of reliable documents together. Next, it is written by eyewitnesses during the time of other eyewitnesses. Once again, this is not one guy later on in his life like Jehovah's Witnesses that see, oh, we, have a great, we had a great vision and we write down all of this and this is what God says. It is actually people writing down what they are seeing. And why it is significant is because there is other eyewitnesses as well during that time. It's almost like I'm saying, hey guys, did you guys see while all of 200 and something of you were drinking coffee, I drove in here and I drove into the building. And yeah, like a shemal, I didn't see that. None of you saw that. And that is actually the power of a testimony given and eyewitnesses being able to claim, no, that's false. That's nonsense that you're speaking. But when it comes to the Bible, we read the following, that during the time that Jesus lived and the Gospels, or just after he lived, the Gospels was written, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And they were written about the life of Jesus and then the Bible says that there was 500 eyewitnesses that witnessed that he rose from the dead. Meaning the Bible is actually falsifiable. Meaning it can be proven false. If somebody makes a statement, who's your witness? Who's your witness that, you, that this guy rose from the dead? Then he's saying, oh, I have 500 friends. Come, come and ask them. So they went to the 500 friends and said, yeah, no, it's true. I also saw him. No, I also saw him. No, I also saw him. And in a court of law, that would be called convincing. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> if you brought 500 people and said, I saw him, I spoke to him, I touched him, that's convincing. Amen. The atheist has an extreme problem here. Such a problem is that they can't deny it. So what they started to do is, and I've listened to this all over the show, and it's very actually ignorant. 
what they started to do is they say, all of these people had hallucinations. Okay. Why that is false is there's never in history ever recorded, recorded mass hallucinations. Meaning that a group of 500 people in exactly the same time seeing exactly the same person saying exactly the same thing and they have a problem. Jesus, after he rose from the dead, stayed about 40, 50 days. So, so they had to do it for about 40, 40, 40, 50 days, have hallucinations. That sounds like something to believe in. That is impossible. That just shows the credibility of Scripture. Eyewitness accounts. The next one is the report of supernatural events that took place in fulfillment of specific prophecy. What is prophecy? Prophecy is God speaking something, for example, foretelling. That's another word for, for prophecy. Saying, if, if I would tell you guys, in 45 days from now, I believe we're going to have a Sunday service. There's going to be somebody coming in here with a green shirt and a red pants. He's going to fall down and that crowd there in the corner will laugh at him. You guys will be like, oh, that would be great if that can happen, but I, I don't believe you. Then 45 days, a guy's walking in here with a da 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 and he falls down. You guys would be like, that's next level. <laughs> so what does the Bible do? The Bible does the following. A thousand years before the event, a prophecy goes out in Psalm 22. And it, speak, it speaks about how somebody would die. It doesn't give names. It doesn't give us... Um, when this would happen in the psalm itself, but we know a thousand years later, as we read the psalm, that happened. So let's read Psalm 22. Just take out of, considera out of the consideration that it is a thousand years apart between Jesus and this psalm. A thousand years. The person that wrote the psalm never saw a crucifixion in their life. It didn't, it wasn't, it didn't exist. Crucifixions didn't exist. It just came later. And let's see what the Bible says. Psalm 22 verse 1 says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Where did you guys hear that? Jesus on the cross. Jesus is quoting the beginning of a song. If I go into this hall and I say, A pizza hut, a pizza hut, Kentucky Fried Chicken, and a If I quote a song, you know immediately what is the things to follow, right? Because you know the song. The Jews at this time would knew specifically because they knew the Bible off by heart. If he quoted the song, what is to happen after this? As he's being crucified, as he's dying, as he's hanging on that tree trying to take his last breath, he's echoing a song. And actually what he is doing is he's echoing a prophecy to say, what, has been what, what was spoken a thousand years ago? Listen to the song again. So let's listen to the song. Verse 6. But I'm a worm and not a man, scorned by everyone, despised by people. All who see me mock me. The whole insults at me, shaking their heads. He trusts in the Lord, they said. Let the Lord rescue him. Let him deliver him, since he delighted in him. This is exactly what happened on the cross. They mocked him. They scorned him. They, they said, let this man take him off. Don't help him at all because he was crying out, crying out. They wanted to give him something. He's like, no, no, no. Let's leave him. Elijah will come. He's crying out to God. That's exactly what happened on the cross. It goes on to say, many bulls surround me. Strong bulls of Bashad encircle me. 
Roaring lions that tear their prey open their mouths wide against me. I'm poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. Why is his bones out of joint? He's hanging on a tree. My heart has turned to wax. It has melted within me. Once Jesus died afterwards, a Roman um, guy came, one of the soldiers, and took a spear and stabbed it into the side. Would have went straight through here into the heart, and water and blood would come out. His heart was wax and melted. My mouth is dried up. I don't know that word, actually. Is it also there? Put shared. <laughs> and my tongue stick to the roof of my mouth. That would say somebody is thirsty. What did Jesus say on the cross? I'm thirsty. The great gave him sour, I think, wine. It goes on to say, you lay me in the dust of death. Dogs surround me. Dogs is a reference to Gentiles, non-Jews. Who was the people that crucified Jesus? Gentiles, Romans, crucified Jesus. A pack of villains encircled me. Jesus was crucified next to two villains on both sides of him. They pierced my hands and my feet. Jesus was crucified, pierced through the hands and through the feet. Not everyone that was crucified was pierced through the hands and the feet. Did you guys know that? Some of them were, were, were only pierced by the hands or in other ways so that they can prolong the crucifixion and the suffering that the person on that cross would stay days sometimes there. But Jesus was crucified through the hands and the feet that would bleed out quicker and we had to die quickly because it was the Passover and a dead man can't hang there on a holy day. All my bones are on display. He was whipped. That his insides came out. By the Romans. People stare and gloat over me. They divide my clothes among them and cast lots for my garments. As you stood at the cross, the Roman soldiers took his garments, they divided it and casted lots. Did you guys know that? This was a prophecy given a thousand years beforehand, and that's why I want to end with they claim that their writings. This writings is divine rather than human in origin. So that when you read things like this, you say, it must be God. That's where all over the Bible you read, God said, the Lord said, God spoke, God spoke through his servant. So that when you can see and go back to the scriptures, it's a work of God and not a work of man. This is only one of hundreds of prophecies that was fulfilled and still need to be fulfilled in scripture. The Bible it's the inspired word of God. Let's not be God over it, but rather come humility underneath and say, God, why do you want to speak to us? So next up is, if we are fully persuaded by God's word, it contains something extremely powerful, and that is his message. What is the message that the Bible has for us? And I want us to listen carefully because we need to be fully persuaded of what this word actually has to give us. So I just want to go through the whole Bible in a nutshell. It's going to take me about five minutes. Let's go. Genesis 1.1 says the following. In the beginning, God. That's the very first words that you find in Scripture that from the beginning, it's God. He is the creator he is the originator of this universe. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The last verse is verse 31 that says the following about creation. And God looked at it. He saw everything that he had made. And, bef and behold, it 
was very good. God made the heavens and the earth from nothing. And he made it perfect. He made it good. He was the creator of it. It was very good. But we know something happened about two chapters later that mankind rebelled against God by being deceived by Satan, by making a willful choice and say, I would rather want to be like God. I want to know right and wrong. I no longer want to be under authority. I no longer want people to tell me what to do. I will just go over this thing, over this God, and I will tell him what to do. And they rebelled against God and sin entered into the world. That is important to know because many people struggle with this concept of suffering. Mike Dufay always says we need to have a good theology and allow suffering in our lives to see it actually for what it is. Why is there suffering? Sin. Sin. We rebelled against God and sin entered into the world. We find in Romans 5.12 it says, Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, Adam, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men, and it speaks about mankind, because all sinned. At the end, none of us can come to God because every single one of us sinned. It's a nice church to go to, right? <laughs> all of us are sinners. All of us. It's the next one, Romans 3:23. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. When Scripture, through God, looks at mankind, He says, sinners, fallen short. God is holy, set apart, good, perfect in everything. And God gave us the law to say, try, but ultimately the law was given to us to show us that we can't do it. To reveal our sins. It was a guardian for a moment for Israel to keep them a little bit together. But ultimately, the main reason for the law was to show us we can't do it. Because every single time we look at the perfect law of God, we fall short. We can't do it. And ultimately, we suck. Have you ever tried to do something good for more than a month? And then all of a sudden, Scripture starts to get real, as Paul writes just two chapters later. The things that I want to do, I don't do them. But the things I don't want to do, I do them. What a wicked person I am. Who can deliver me? Who can help us? We are infested with a virus called sin, actually. But there is a solution. Hallelujah. And I don't want this to be your bumper sticker verse, but listen to what it says. John 3, 16. For God so, in such a way, loved the world that He gave His only Son, perfect Son, Holy Son, set apart. God sent God so that everyone who believes in Jesus will not perish but have eternal life. God looked at us and by His mercy, by His grace, by Him just all over the show being kind to us, He said, they can't, I will. Isn't that the mercy of God? You know, I, I have a little child there at the back. They say, I don't know when children can give tantrums, but that one gave it from birth already. It's she is a different species, and I can see selfishness in my little four or five-month-old. And she's great. But something in me wants to help her. 
and I don't have that ability. There's nothing in me that can really help her. I can guide her, I can steer her, but I can't change her heart. God says that it isn't a behavior modification. I need to come and change her heart. That is why the work can all only be a work of God and not an exterior law and a work of man. It needs to be a work of God. But it's not only eternal life when we believe in Him. It's, it's more than that, actually. John 1.12 says the following. I love this verse. Memory verse this, okay? When I was in Bible school with, do you know this verse out of, of by heart? Did, did you get 10 out of 10? You didn't. <laughs> we add this as a memory verse. For all who did... Okay. But to all who did receive Him, who believed in His name, He gave the right to be called children of God. Isn't that amazing? If we accept Jesus Christ, He didn't just settle the score. He took us and seated us in heavenly places. It's no longer just common ground. He said, I want to call you my child. I want to call you my friend. I want to call you my son. I want to call you my daughter. Although in His wrath and justice, He could have come and said, you worm. You rebelled against me. You were my enemy. But God in His kindness, do you see the bigness of what He has done? We have rebelled against Him. He didn't just settle the score, pay the debt, but He brought us close. That is the mercy of our great God. 2 Corinthians 5.17 Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, made right with Him, He is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Jesus doesn't only, in a sense, save us, one-way ticket to heaven. He doesn't just bring us into friendship with Him. He says, I will take out your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. I will wipe away your sin as white as snow. I will come to you and I will make you new. No longer will the old Henry live, but in, that's why we have baptism, meaning Henry died in the water, died with Jesus, the death that he has died, and there is a new man now alive. And then Jesus starts this slow, gentle, sometimes cutting process of cutting away the old self and starting to form something beautiful in every single one that is his children. What is he forming in you? Does anybody know? Jesus. He's forming God in you. No longer will you just reflect on something of love in there, but you will know love. No longer will you just understand or intellectually know forgiveness, you will be forgiven. No longer will grace just be a concept outside there, but you will understand grace and be able to give it. God is forming something new within you. But you were not only baptized into Jesus, says the Bible, and I did this for, for the last hour before I came here. So sorry, I didn't have all the scriptures. But you were always bap also baptized into his body, which is the church. It's the church. Meaning that Jesus Christ is not only forming one individual sitting here, but together he is forming a people, a body, that every single one of us will start to be formed and shaped and, and molded into His image, that when we come together, and we have about 50, 40 visitors here today, and you guys walked in here, you didn't really know what to expect, but you know what you should actually expect? And hopefully you become a part of this, and then when other visitors come, they should expect this of you. If you've seen the church, you've seen Jesus. You've seen the love. 
that you have for one another, and that's why we know you are disciples. That there's something of our togetherness, there's something about our forgiveness, there's something that if we bump heads against one another, as we extend grace, when we come together, there's no needy amongst us. When we come together, there's a heart of devotion given to God in prayer, in worship, in fellowship, in our love, in all of that. When the world looks at us, we need to be the city on a hill that everybody beholds and say, that is a work of God. That is what God is forming in and through us. A work of God, it's a miracle actually. Look around you, it's a miracle. We have black, white, where is Jackie Chan, where, Bruce Lee, I met you earlier. Where are you actually? What's your real name? Jay Lee, but he's, my, yeah, he's Bruce Lee. We have Bruce Lee here, but we have all walks of life, young, old, medium, large, whatever you are, brought together. And then we can go into detail, every single one of you, if you're not siblings, come out of a different background, different hurt, different sin, different mess, coming together, beholding God, being transformed in His image, and love one another. Impossible. 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 It's a work and a wonder of God. But not only that, there's more to the story. And I'm finishing. Then God said, I'm going to come to the earth. I'm prolonging a little bit. I'm waiting a little bit. I'm coming soon, whatever that soon means, but I'm coming soon. But for now, I'm extending mercy so that this group, the church of Jesus Christ, can go out and be my representatives, can be my ambassadors and bring in more. Bringing more worshipers, bringing more because he's so worthy that he just, he, he needs more. More people. We are quite full. Leonard is thinking about four church plants already, I, I promise you. Why? For the glory of God. It's not that we can be in our holy huddle and now we're too big and I want to go to another church. No, reflect Christ. In your community, in your relationships, together reflect Christ. And then on that day, that day, glorious day, he would come. And the Bible also calls us a bride. Sorry, gents. But he would come and fetch his lover. And he would take us up and we will be with him forever. I don't think it's just going to be worship. There's going to be fellowship. There's going to be enjoyment. I think there's going to be work in heaven. But it's going to be perfect. It's going to be with him. It's going to be enjoyed with one another Eternity, getting to know one another and enjoying God. It's a miracle what God is busy forming on the earth. And if you do not believe these eyewitness accounts and the scriptures and all of these different things, I want to say it changed my life. It worked. It worked for me. About 10 years ago, I was a snort corp in grade 11. I was living for the pleasure of myself I was living to please people, that when I was with my mom, she thought I was the best child in the whole world, but behind her back, I smoked and I drank and I went to pubs and we knocked out people and, and then we have a story to tell. It was violent, I was rejected, I was lonely. My only pursuit of life was myself, really. We went on this church camp and to a large extent, I was forced on this camp. I didn't want to go on it. My friends went drunk on the camp. And as I went on this camp, I, I still use steroids, so I sit with my steroid, Iron Pizza at the back, Popeye. And I looked at these words of people, and we sang songs. We were about 12, 14 in a room, maybe 20 in a room. 
on a projector screen. I still, there was a clock on this side. Oh, boer umpi met die short boerbelbroekie on this side. And there was a song going. And I just remember reading those words. It was an old Hillsong song, and it says, From the rooftops, I'll proclaim that I'm yours. And as I read it, something jumped up in my heart and said, Henry will proclaim from the rooftops that I'm God's. And I broke down in tears, and my life changed in a moment. And, I, and that new creation started to happen. And from that moment, my desires changed. My, my life aligned into it. It felt like reality. It felt like puzzle pieces just aligned. And I said, God is real. And I was fully persuaded, and everything's changed from that moment. I never considered Scripture before that. I considered it as the Word of God. I came underneath it. God started to form something in me, started to take away anger, started to take away irritation, started to love people, started to forgive people, started to make right relationships. I started to love the people of God. Before that, I would punch people in the face that's so happy. I'm serious. But God started to form, by His mercy, something within us. Are you fully persuaded that you are there? What is God forming in you? Where are you with God at this moment? Let's stand.